The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Ephesians 4, verse 28, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Would you read that verse with me? Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. According to Paul, in this verse, you can get wealth in three ways. Uh, You can steal it. Uh, That's what he's talking about here. You can earn it. You can receive it as a gift or inheritance, which uh, would include that. And uh, we know from the Bible, stealing's wrong. Labor is honorable. And it's more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, But in the day and age that we live, um, people are trying to make fast dollars. Um, They're trying to get gain uh, without working for it. Uh, It's a popular uh, philosophy in our day and age uh, where we have people that want but don't want to work. Give me, but I don't want to labor for it uh, is not something you find in the Bible. Uh, And so let's look at uh, Proverbs chapter 21 tonight. And uh, let's look at this, and we'll look at verses 5 through 7, Proverbs chapter 21, and verses 5 through 7, and uh, we'll look at thieves uh, from Proverbs uh, tonight in the Choose Wisely series tonight, Uh, Proverbs chapter 21, verse number 5, the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty only to want. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity tossed to and fro, of them that seek death. The robbery of the wicked shall destroy them because they refuse uh, to do judgment. Uh, Solomon tells us and he emphasizes that God's wisdom is more important than money. It's the truth. Uh, Solomon made that choice. When Solomon was uh, given the choice my kids were doing in the car today uh, as we were driving from uh, lunch over to the nursing home, they were doing Bible trivia in the car. And one of the questions uh, that was asked was, what did Solomon ask for? What did he ask for uh, rather than riches? Well, he wanted the, the ability, the heart ability, to be able to discern between good and evil. And we call that wisdom. He wanted to be wise. He wanted to have wisdom. And Solomon taught us that by, in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course, uh, in the book of Proverbs. And how much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather to be uh, chosen than silver? Let's pray tonight. We'll look at this passage of Scripture before we go home. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And I I pray that, uh, God, we thank you for your word. I pray that we would not take it for granted. Uh, Lord, uh, in the day and age that we live, uh, there's these get-rich-quick schemes, and uh, people try to get gain uh, by by being dishonest, by uh, leveraging a system uh, that perhaps is broken, but it doesn't help when Christians become part of that program. And, uh, Lord, our job as Christians is to make sure that we are honest. Uh, Paul said, let him that stole steal no more. And uh, the way sometimes that we look at stealing is uh, by uh, just physically going and taking things. But in your word, in the book of Proverbs, you show us that uh, we can steal in many different ways. uh, And just by getting gain and being dishonest about it. And, Lord, that is not uh, supposed to be something that is a characteristic of someone that calls himself a child of God. Lord, we know that you supply all our need. God, I pray that you help us to live the faith life, that we wouldn't try to leverage a broken system in the world that we live in uh, to get gain uh, without working for it. Uh, Lord, I pray that you help us to have a desire to work hard and 
uh, to live in an honorable way that would be pleasing to you, uh, to pay our bills, and uh, God, to render to Caesar that which is his, and uh, Lord, to have a desire to give to you from our hearts and, and to those that have need, and that, uh, Lord, that you would supply our need as you have promised. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Um, the book of Proverbs opens with a stern warning against participating in get-rich-quick schemes. Go back to Proverbs chapter number 1. I want you to just look at this quickly tonight in the context of what we're reading. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1 and uh, verses uh, 10 through 19 just kind of give us some, uh, some warnings here when it comes to uh, getting riches the wrong way. He says in Proverbs 1 verse 10, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, Come with us, let us lay wait for blood, let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, and they that wait for their own blood, they lurk privily for their own lives. So are the ways of every one that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners uh, thereof. Uh, these schemes, the Bible tells us, that they're self-destructive. They lead to bond- bondage and possibly even uh, the grave. Uh, you know, beware of people who promise to make you wealthy without asking you to work or to take any risks. Because you don't make money that way. Not the right kind of money, not honest money. Um, Look at Proverbs chapter 13 and uh, verse number 11. I want you to see this in the scriptures tonight. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 11. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. Well, uh, that would be a good verse to write next to the Hollywood sign tonight. Uh, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. God blesses those that work for what they have. You know what uh, the next generation uh, needs to learn from this generation is that we're willing to work and labor uh, to get what we have. That uh, we don't try to go about getting gain and riches and things uh, by being uh, crooked, by being uh, you know, dishonest, uh, by being shady in our dealings and business dealings. Uh, I believe if you're a Christian businessman, you ought to be the most honest businessman that there is on the market. It doesn't matter if everybody else is dishonest. Uh, you ought to be honest. Uh, whatever uh, field that you work in, if you're on the job somewhere, uh, you ought to be the most honest laborer that your boss has. He ought to be able to trust you with time with, uh, with, uh, with the uh, uh, products of his business. He ought to be able to trust you with, with, the, uh, with the, uh, the, the vehicles or whatever it is that their business has. That you're not going to use that uh, to get yourself gained, but you're going to be honest with the things that people give you. I mean, how many times today do we see uh, things in the news or uh, things in the media or even hear from people uh, that are uh, business owners that they can't hire anybody that wants to work? They can't find anybody that wants to just... You know, honest day's labor for an honest day's wage. And boy, uh, that's killing uh, the job force in the country that we live in. People being dishonest. 
Um, I know that you've experienced it if you've worked in the world for any length of time. Uh, I've had many jobs in my life, and uh, along the way, I've experienced people that just are dishonest. I've seen people fired, and uh, people lose their jobs and lose their credibility with anybody else because they were uh, just foolish with what they had. People trying to take advantage of the system. Come on, we know. We have the health care system. We have all these problems that we have in the world. People trying to leverage it so that they can get money. Insurance scams, insurance fraud, all those kind of things. By the way, Christians, uh, if you have insurance, you ought to use it the right way, honestly. If you have health care, you ought to use it the right way, honestly. If your job provides those things for you, don't take advantage. Be someone that's honest uh, with what God has provided you and given you. The Bible warns us that if we try to do things, if we try to leverage the system, and we try to obtain wealth you know, uh, in, a, in a dishonest way, there's a curse, a judgment uh, that comes upon us. Proverbs 21, verses 5 through 7, we just read, points out three ways not to get wealth. It says in verse 5, not to follow hasty schemes. It, it says in verse 6, uh, not to lie to people. It says in verse 7, not to rob people. Most, if not all, get-rich-quick uh, schemes involve some kind of deception and are nothing but scams. Uh, it's the truth. And by the way, uh, come on, how many of you have ever seen somewhere on the Internet, maybe somebody posts on Facebook, that you can stay at home and do no work and get paid upwards of $500 a week? And if you believe that, I've got a bridge to sell you somewhere as well. You know, sometimes I think people say, well, I can just stay home and do no work and I can make a lot of money. And most of the time what they're doing is they're making money off of people that are making money off of people which are making money off of people selling a product that really isn't a product uh, to try to get people to be part of this pyramid scheme and program. How many remember Bernie Madoff? Remember that name? Popular name, right? Everybody loves him. You know, everybody loves Bernie. No, no, what did he try to do? Well, he pyramid schemed the thing. By the way, uh, that's not something that Christians ought to be a part of. We don't come into the church and look at the church as a way to make money in our business. We come into the church to worship God, to serve one another. And uh, sometimes along the way, uh, there's a, a trap or deception in the world that we live in that we can use people to make money. God demands that we be honest in all our business dealings. You with me tonight? I know that maybe this is a, just a different topic that maybe we're used to hearing tonight, but I think it'd be good for our young people to hear that when you work, you ought to work hard. That when you work, you ought to work honestly. That when you work, uh, you ought to, hey, say, not expect more than what you've worked for. Hey, not expect that people give you something that you didn't. And by the way, uh, more and more we see this entitlement attitude. Well, I ought to just get paid for showing up, you know. I ought to get just paid for clocking in. I ought to get paid for just being here. My mere presence uh, demands. I, I mean, have you ever walked in and, and seen a person? I mean, I see them all the time. You walk into the store and... Hi, you know, can you help me? You know, you work here. Um, could you possibly help? Oh, just a minute. Well, I get done with the text. I get done with watching whatever I'm watching, get done doing, playing, having a conversation. And you see uh, even young people today, they think, you know, well, I'm here. I ought to just get paid because I showed up. You know, that's not the way that Christians work. Christians ought to not steal from their bosses. And I'm not just talking about stealing by taking money. Uh, it doesn't start that way. By the way, you'll steal time before you ever steal money. Uh, you'll steal in being lazy before you ever take uh, things that don't belong to you. And God demands dishonesty is robbery, is it not? Dishonesty is robbery. Uh, you remember uh, Ananias and Sapphira? 
uh, the truth of the matter is that they didn't have to give that gift to the church. The sin was not that they didn't give a certain amount to the church. The sin was the Bible says they were dishonest about what they were dealing with. In their dealings with the church, they were dishonest. They held back what they said they would do. They tried to make it look like they were doing more than what they did. And boy, they died in the door, didn't they? Uh, it, it, if things worked that way, you know, at the, at the local Sears, I think uh, there would be less dishonesty. Why that guy just pass out? Because he's dishonest. Oh my, I better, you know, I, I better do that. And boy, God is serious about being honest. In the church of God, it ought to begin here. We ought to be honest in our dealings with one another, amen? And how we uh, interact. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, the Bible says. But a just weight is his delight. A just weight, uh, how we measure things. Another dishonest way to get wealth is to use your resources selfishly and disregard the needs of others. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others himself will be refreshed. You know, we need to realize that everything we have comes from God. You with me tonight? I mean, everything I have comes from God. In other words, if I see that someone has a need and I give that to someone because God has met my need, you know what I need to trust? That God is going to meet my need. God's going to continue to take care of me. I think sometimes people don't see God give to them because they won't let go what God already put in their hands. God cannot give to closed fists. He gives to open hands. You have to release what you have in order to get from God. We're conduits, by the way. We don't block up as God sends us things. Just send it along the way as God sees. Hey, the Bible says lay by in stores. God has prospered you. You say, well, I'm just laying it up for a rainy day. Well, I think when we do that, we show really honestly uh, a lot of times that we don't really believe that Jesus could come back at any moment. I'm saying uh, be foolish with your future, but in a sense of stewardship, understand that uh, if there's a need, we ought to give to meet that need. If we see a need, we ought to be willing to fill the need. How many times uh, do we remember uh, thinking about or hearing messages about the Good Samaritan? What did he do? He saw a need and he filled the need. Did it inconvenience him? Absolutely. Did it cost him? Absolutely. Uh, did it, did it uh, cause him to maybe uh, not be able to do what he was planning to do that day? Uh, you saw there was other people that were religious that kind of stepped over, passed by, sidestepped, didn't meet the need. And Jesus taught a lesson there that it costs us something to help others. But I believe God took care of that man. I believe God blessed him. I believe God met his needs. And I believe uh, he had uh, the blessing of just serving the Lord. You know, everyone expects a businessman will make a profit. Nobody wants him to make a killing and hurt others. Uh, The biggest thieves of all are the lazy people who could work but won't. It's the truth. The biggest thieves of all are lazy people who could work but won't. People who consume what others produce, but produce nothing for others to use. People who consume what others produce, but produce nothing for others to use. Let's be careful that in the church of God, we don't just become consumers. That we come to consume. Well, what can the church do for me? How can the church serve me? How can it meet me, uh, my needs, my family's needs? What can it do? It ought to be that we say, no, we're coming to give. We're coming to serve. We're coming to be a part and understanding along the way that God meets my needs as, as I come in to serve. Get this, if I come to serve you and you come to serve me, both of our needs get met. And boy, we're obedient to God. And we ought to come to serve one another. Uh, by love, the Bible says, serve one another. Everything we have comes from God. 
The sluggard and the slothful man are mentioned at least 17 times in Proverbs, and nothing is ever good said about either one of them. Uh, you know, the Bible's talking about them as being thieves. Can I say this tonight? We need to recognize the fact that work is not a curse. Work is not a curse. God gave Adam work to do in the garden before sin ever entered the scene. Work was not the result of sin. Adam was working while everything was perfect. Adam still tended to and dressed the garden. He still worked with his hands. I don't think he was just uh, sitting in the garden, you know, sipping lemonade and laying on his back all day. I I don't see that. Uh, He was working. He was laboring. He was tending to and stewarding what God gave him dominion over. Did he not? Did not God tell Adam that he had dominion over all those things that were there? In other words, he had to oversee it. Can you see it as he uh, sat there and the animals lined up as he named them? I mean, he had to go through and, and, and inventory what was there and understand what was there. And, and uh, boy, he had dominion over those things. God gave him that responsibility. We see responsibility and work on the scene before sin ever enters into the world. So work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. Before uh, uh, he began his uh, public ministry, Jesus worked as a carpenter, the Bible tells us. So before Jesus stepped on the scene in the three and a half uh, years of ministry that we see in the life of Jesus, there was a lot of labor between uh, the point of when he was a young man and old enough to work and when he stepped on the scene and and, uh, John the Baptist identified him as the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. You believe Jesus worked hard? I believe he did. I believe he was a hard-working man. I don't think he was soft. I don't think he was frail. I don't think he was fragile. I think he worked hard. I think he could hang with the fishermen of the day because he was a hard-working man. I think they struggled to keep up with him. I think he pressed and pushed and labored and worked. And, uh, boy, he served. It was one place to another to another. You know, often he recognized uh, the fact that he was tired or they were tired and needed to go apart for a little while and take a rest and refresh, and that was okay. But notice, it wasn't too long before they take a, a step out and they started working again. It started ministering again. Jesus worked hard. Jesus labored uh, to serve others and work hard. And Paul was a tent maker, the Bible says in Acts chapter 18. Uh, You you know, because the apostle Paul wasn't busy doing very many things. And, you know, he had the time for a side job. Well, Paul made tents. I believe Paul did that because he was a hardworking man. I believe he worked hard. He wasn't sitting around and doing nothing with his time. And laziness is a way that we steal. In that, in that day, rabbis had vocations, supported themselves, but didn't accept payment from their students. Now, what are the, some of the marks of sluggards? Oh, well, for one thing, let me give you some things tonight, because I believe primarily in the book of Proverbs, this is where we see thieves, slug, sluggards and slothful people. Uh, for one thing, they love to sleep. The Bible says, how long are you going to lie there, thou sluggard? How long are you going to lay there? How long until you get up? Come on, that was, that was you this morning, right? <laughs> Sunday morning, there's just something about Sunday morning. It's just, oh, just another, just another five minutes, right? Just another, and sometimes, uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, just laying around and doing nothing all the time. Just laying around and doing nothing. I mean, uh, that should not be uh, the mark of our lives. We have too much to do. There is too much to accomplish there is too much, hey, too much responsibility that we have uh, in this world that God has given us. We have 
marriages and families and homes. And then we have ministry that God has called us to. Boy, there's a lot to do. We ought to work hard. We ought to work hard together. Uh, they love to sleep. Sleep is a necessary element for a healthy life, but too much sleep is destructive. Wise people enjoy sleep that's sweet because they know they're in God's will. That's what the Bible talks about. And the laborer's sleep is sweet because they've worked hard. But the sleep of the slugger is a mark of selfishness and laziness. Um, Laziness could run a competitive race for the most underrated sin, uh, said uh, someone. And, uh, you know, quietly, it anesthetizes its victim into a lifeless stupor that ends in hunger, bondage, and death. Uh, how about this? Put, a slugger, put the slugger to work, and he's more of a nuisance than a help. Put a slugger to work, and he's more, than, more of a nuisance than he is a help. You ever have to work harder because of someone that's working with you? It's like, please, just go back to sleep. Go back to doing whatever it is you were doing before, but just get out of the way. I mean, you're a nuisance. Boy, uh, moms and dads, don't we have the great responsibility of teaching our children not to be a nuisance, but to be a help? Be able to work. Be able to work. There's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with teaching your children to work hard. Um, I think most of the reasons why people don't appreciate what they have is because they didn't have to work for it. It was given to them. It was handed to them. It was, come on, uh, young people don't have this attitude, well, my parents work and I ought to benefit from that. Well, you do benefit from that and you ought to be thankful for it. But you ought to be willing to work and to work hard. Hey, when we come to the house of God, we ought to have an attitude that we're here to work. We're here to work. Oh, uh, somebody's inconveniencing me. They're asking me to do something. I didn't come in here to do anything. You know, I just wanted to sit. I just, I don't want to be bothered, you know. That shouldn't be our spirit. That shouldn't be our attitude. It's like, hey, where can I help? Where can I serve? You know, uh, isn't it interesting sometimes we have a church dinner. Everybody wants to come in quick, sit down, eat. But afterwards, when it's time for cleanup, it's like, everybody, I got somewhere to be, you know. (laughs) Thanks for serving me. No, I don't think that's the mark of a spiritual church. And I definitely don't think it's a characteristic of our church. But I I believe that we ought to have this attitude that, hey, we we can have fun. We can enjoy life, but you know what the truth of the matter is? Working hard is fun. It is fun. It is fun to work and, and to put in a hard day's work and, and to see the benefit of that in our lives. Not only is he more of a nuisance than a help, but another mark of the slugger is he has a know-it-all attitude. You can't teach a sluggard to do anything. You know, it's when can we be done with this thing so I can go back to sleep? You know, when can I, you know, is it time yet? I, I never, I was so surprised when I was in Bible college. We, we would work a job and guys would show up and they were no soon there for an hour hoping that the manager would let them go home. And I was like, what? No, you know, when you go home, you're not going to get paid, right? They were like, well, yeah, but, you know, I don't want to be here. And I'm like, well, why do you have a job then? What's the point? People show up and hope, come on, hope that somebody will send them home. I don't want to work. I'm not here to work. I'm just here to stand around until I can go home. I mean, I'm just biding my time watching that clock, watching that clock, watching that clock. Work. Uh, Mark of a slugger. He's a know-it-all attitude. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. That's what the Bible tells us. 
He's wiser in his own eyes. He can tell everybody else what to do, but he never succeeded at anything in his own life. But he can tell others how to succeed. Um, how about this? Sluggards are good at making excuses. Either the weather's too cold for plowing, Proverbs 24, or it's too dangerous to go out of the house, Proverbs 22:13 and 26:13. It's too cold to go outside. I, I would dare say if we were to um, survey bosses and to ask them what people call out for, it'd probably be near as ridiculous what people don't go to church for. Well, it's raining outside. Well, you know, whew, I went outside. It felt a little cold. You know, well, you know, uh, boy, it's just a little uncomfortable. Boy, it's just a little uncomfortable when I got up. I felt like maybe, maybe I might get a headache. I think maybe I might be coming down with something. You know, maybe, uh, maybe if I go and, and work and do it, you know, maybe I'll just stay home because I'm afraid that maybe something might happen. And uh, you see that, making excuses uh, for why we can't work. The way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright's a highway. That's <laughs> what the Bible tells us. The way of a slugger, why is it blocked with thorns? Because he doesn't even clear his own way. He doesn't even clear his own path. But the, the mark of someone who, who works hard and is honest, what is it? it? He makes a highway. And by the way, along the way, guess what? Other people get to enjoy the highway too. People can come behind the highway. People can come behind the path of a hard worker, an honest person. But you can't walk behind a slugger because you just walk into all the thorns that they wouldn't clear for themselves. You ever see somebody uh, do more work to stay out of work than to actually do the work itself? I mean, actually do more work to get out of work. I've seen young people do more work to not do their homework than it would have even taken time just to do the homework. They actually had more, more work and forethought and creativity pulled into how they could dupe their teacher into showing how they weren't doing the work and the reason why they didn't do it or how they cut the corner to do it. They did more work to cut the corner than they did to actually do the homework, do the work. Sluggers are good at making excuses. Billy Sunday defined an excuse as the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. <laughs> I think that's a good definition of an excuse. The skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. People who are good at making excuses are rarely good at doing anything else. Uh, I have an excuse. I have an excuse. Oh, please, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Have an excuse for everything. What finally happens to the slugger? Well, for one thing, unless others care for them, sluggers live in poverty and hunger. Unless somebody else takes care of them. Unless somebody else, uh, and, and by the way, it's the survey of, are you still living with your parents and you're over 30? Yes. Why? I don't know. It's just cheaper. You know, I can be, why, 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 I can, you know, I can just live off, let me live off of someone else as long as I possibly can. That ought not to be our attitude. Sluggers live in poverty and hunger. Um, they, they say that uh, the lottery is the poor man's tax. It keeps people poor. What are they doing? They're hoping to get rich quick. Let me say this, if for no other reason other than some of the other uh, things that you should not play the lottery for, the lottery is a, is a way of saying, well, God is going to give me something that I didn't work for, that I didn't earn, that I don't deserve in a sense of when it comes to work. And boy, you know, they survey the fact that people that are low income pay more money into the lottery than people that are 
that have money. Well, the truth of the matter is, is I watch people, uh, they put down, shell out money for lottery tickets and they don't have money to buy food. It's sad. It really is sad. People that call all the time, well, I need this and I need that and can you pay this and can you pay that? And I want to say to them, listen, do you have a job? Are you looking for a job? Can you work? Listen, I understand legitimately there's some times that people do need help. But isn't it sad that you have to weed through all the people that are trying to beat the system, if you would? Or to get it, take advantage of someone else? The slugger gets so lazy he won't feed himself even when the food is brought right to him. Go to Proverbs chapter 19. Look at it. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse number 24. A slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. I mean, the food's there. It's just like, feed me. I don't even want to do it. Look at Proverbs 26 and verse number 15. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 15. The slothful hideth his hand in his bosom. It grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. He's so lazy, he won't feed himself. The sluggard loses his freedom is enslaved to others. Look at Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 24. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 24. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. You know, his debts accumulate to the point where he has to become a slave and work off what he owes. The easy life of leisure turns out to be very costly as a slugger exchanges his pillow for a plow and has to work off his debts the hard way. That's what the Bible teaches us about that. How about this one? The sluggard wastes God-given resources. The sluggard wastes God-given resources. Go to Proverbs chapter number 18. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 9. He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. He that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. The lazy person may be working but not doing a very good job. and Consequently, what's done will either have to be thrown out or done over, which means it's going to cost twice as much. You know, uh, they're wasteful. In a sense of, uh, even when they do work, what they do is so useless, it has to be thrown away. Those resources are wasted. Somebody else has to come behind and do the good job that they should have done if they would have just put themselves and applied themselves to the task and worked hard at it. The sluggard also wastes God-given opportunities. Not only do they waste God-given resources, but they waste God-given opportunities. Go to Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 5. Again, I want you to see this in the scriptures tonight. Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 5. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. You know, when the fields are ready for harvest, the reapers have to go to work because the opportunity won't be there forever. That's what the harvest is. There's a time to harvest, the Bible says. So there's a period of time where I've got to say, the work is there to be done, and I've got to take advantage of the opportunity that God gives me. Who gives the harvest? Well, God does. We don't, uh, as much as we sow, we don't always, the Bible teaches us the law of sowing and reaping, does it not? And uh, we sow, and we see the harvest come, and it's not enough for us to sow, but when the time to harvest comes, we've got to be ready to take the God-given opportunities that He gives us. You know, a lazy person sees the opportunity and 
finds an excuse not to seize it. I don't want to seize the opportunity that God gives me. Listen, if God gives you an opportunity, you ought to seize it. Because you don't know whether you're going to get another one. You don't know how long that door of opportunity or window is going to stay open. Don't waste time. Don't waste energy. Don't waste opportunity. Don't waste resources. These are things that God gives us to His honor, to His glory. Aren't you glad tonight that God's given you a body that you can work? That you can labor? That you can do some things? And by the way, if you can't do everything that everybody else can do, find something you can do and apply yourself. And do it to your best. A diligent people are alert to their God-given opportunities and seek to make the most of them. You know, it's important that we understand that God wants us as Christians to steward what He's given us. To steward what He's given us. As a local New Testament church, we need to do a better job at stewarding what God gives us. You know, as God sends in people, we ought to steward that. As God sends in money, we ought to steward that. As God sends in resources, we ought to steward that. And boy, we ought to be serious about it. We ought to be diligent about it. It takes work. It takes labor. Boy, it's hard, and sometimes it's tiring, and sometimes it just wears you. But thank God, when we work hard and we do what God says, you know what? He gives His beloved sleep. He gives us rest. Uh, You know, people that don't work very hard, they lay around and they can't find sleep. But someone that worked a hard day, they don't have any problems hitting the pillow and finding sleep. (laughs) I mean, and sleep well, because you worked hard, and you put in labor, and you put in the time. And boy, I I understand more and more that as we uh, progress in this life that God's given us, if God has given me the ability, He wants me to steward that. If God has given me a gift, He wants me to steward that. If God has given me an opportunity, He wants me to steward that. I think the worst attitude that could, act, could possibly creep into a, a local New Testament church is really, we say complacency, but really what that is is laziness. It's laziness. Here God has planted a church. God has established the church. God has given us a good name. God has given us buildings and property. God has given us what we have. We have that. Is it for our enjoyment only? Or does God want us to use this to reach the lost in this area for His honor, for His glory? I believe so. So we've got to steward that. Um, In our conference room tonight, there's two maps on the wall, and they've got every street and home and address in our area. And really, I'm praying that the Lord will allow us to reach every home some way, shape, or form. Whether we go and we send out a mailer to them or we knock on their door. I'd like us to be able to reach every person in this area. And by the way, it's not just Howell. There's other areas around us. But until we do with the area that God has planted us in together, and I understand you maybe say, well, I don't live in Howell, but this is where we come. This is the area that we're in, and we've got to reach out to this area. And by the way, I hope and pray that God will allow us to plant churches in other areas around here. Why? Because that's what He put us here for. But we can't reproduce until we first make sure we're doing what we are supposed to do first. And then faithful men can teach others also. But until we're faithful men and women, we're not worthy to teach anybody. We have to be faithful. We have to be reliable. 
We have to be obedient. And we've got to realize there's a great responsibility. You realize God has put us here for such a time as this. We're here for this time. How long till he comes back? I have no idea. But I want to occupy until he comes. I, I, I want to do my best. I don't know. Hey, listen, to be honest tonight, I don't know how long I have in ministry. I really don't. I know I'm young, but I don't know how long I have. I really don't. And so I want to work and labor the best of my ability and leave nothing. Hey, listen, I tell the boys all the time, leave it all on the field. Leave it all on the court. Leave it all there. And by, by the way, if I'm going to tell a group of young men to do that on an athletic field for sports, you better believe I'm going to do that for God's work in ministry. I'm going to leave it all on the court. Leave it all on the field. Then when I pillow my head at night, I can say, Lord, I did my best today for you. Did my best today for you. What do we want to hear from God when we get to heaven? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, some, I believe, and they get there, oh, God, don't call me a servant. I'm, I'm above that. No. He that would be greatest in the kingdom of God must be a servant of all. The first is last. The last is first. It's an upside-down kingdom that we serve in. Let's be hard-working Christians. Let's do ministry in a way that's pleasing to God with all our might. With all our might. Father, I pray tonight that we heed the message of the book. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.